So now you know when you look on a bag and it says washed or it says natural or dry processed, what you can expect from the cup. This is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and every week, my coffee friends and I are bringing you the absolute best coffee education you can find out there in the coffeeverse. If you haven't listened to the show, you are in luck today. I think that this is the most important episode that we have done in our chronological knowledge crazy learning about coffee thing that we're doing here on coffee 101 so if you haven't also go back and listen to all the background that got us to this point on the show today we will be talking to alika lifty of onyx coffee lab out of rogers and bentonville arkansas I'm joined by my good friend, Stefan Tribble. Stefan, how are you? Doing great, Kenneth. How are things going with you? Oh, man, I am I am uh, great. I've had too much coffee this morning. Yeah. Uh, you and I just finished a cupping. We did. A um, good round of cupping. It was like, what, seven coffees on the table? Was, uh, seven coffees, and actually one of them was a coffee that was just roasted six different ways, and so... Um, that was really interesting was. as a roaster to check out and learn from. And today, we're talking about specifically the two most important and most common ways that coffees are processed. Mm. Our one-on-oneers out there are thinking, what is coffee processing, which we will get into. We'll talk to Alika, and uh, he will let us in on all those fun facts. But wash process is one, and that's yep. probably the most common. And yep. then dry or natural processed and they can have and the reason i say and i said at the beginning that this is probably the most important to me episode we've done up to this point is is how big of an impact the processing method can make on your cup of coffee yeah it certainly impacts the the final cup just from the actually from the visualness, uh, visual I get visualness is that a word I don't know. Hey, visually you can make looking, it up. <laughs> it's okay. Visually looking at the coffee and then uh, even brewing and sipping the coffee. That the the process method uh, is yeah. definitely a major factor, not just the region or where that coffee's from, but how how is it processed to then become that final green coffee. Yes, exactly, um, and. Just to go ahead and throw it out there, I'd say one big difference in washed versus dry processed is in the cup, usually, all things being equal, a dry process or a natural process is going to taste sweeter. Mm-hmm. Yep, because you definitely you have that, uh, the, and, and as we'll get into in the episode, but natural process, uh, hint to that is Sun's involved, yeah. drying of the coffee bean, the, the, the fruit that's on the outside of the, the seed is, is there. So obviously it, the sugars and the things that stay in and on the bean obviously will lend to a sweeter cup. So. Absolutely. So without further ado, here is my interview with Alika Lifty of Onyx Coffee Lab. Alika, great to have you on the show. Great to be here, Kenneth. Nice to nice to e meet you 
after years of competing? Yes. And, uh, you know, it's hard in competition to miss the Onyx team, you know, because (laughs) they are such a, uh, such a, such a leader, um, in, you know, where specialty coffee is, is going. So I have probably seen you and recognize your face more than, um, you have seen me, but now we know each other. Well, finally, finally connecting and, and going through roasters, uh, photos and everything. I've got several other friends who have competed in, in roasters and, and you definitely looked familiar. And then, uh, hear, hearing your voice too, I think you can pick that out in a crowd. Yeah. Are, are you saying that I, that I talk slow and I have like a Southern draw? Is that what it is? That's not exactly <laughs> what I'm saying, <laughs> but something close to that. They, something yeah. close to that. I, yeah. I think I've got a very uh, distinctive cadence and, and monotone. So you, you do. So I tell, can, I can actually, appreciate. Tell me, tell me where you're from because I don't. I don't know that I would say that that's an Arkansas accent. Oh, it is not an Arkansas accent. So uh, my uh, parents uh, were uh, Air Force. Okay. Uh, my dad is Native Hawaiian, and my mom is from Oklahoma. <laughs> and cool. so uh, I grew up in um, in Oklahoma. Uh, with my mom's family. And so the name Alika, yeah. uh, Kila Kila being my middle name is, is native Hawaiian. That's awesome. And, and then, uh, yeah, I grew up in Oklahoma, which is, you know, just right next door to Arkansas. So that's kind of how I ended up over here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and no offense to the, uh, the, I guess you'd say Oklahomans. Do you say Oklahomans <laughs> or do you say Sooners or maybe? Oh, I would say Sooners. Okay. Absolutely. So no offense to them, but I think Arkansas is a prettier state, especially in the Northwest. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, it's not called the natural state for nothing. Exactly. Well, today we are going to talk about coffee processing methods and the, the processing method, um, super important for the one on out there in that depending on how this is actually done, it can have a drastic change or difference in how the actual uh, final cup tastes, uh, and so absolutely, yeah. We're gonna original or initially, we're gonna talk about the two most common methods and and why I think it's important, and Alika thinks it's important for uh, you curious coffee drinkers out there to <laughs> kind of have a little bit of background and understanding of this. Um, and then we'll talk about some of the less common ones, but definitely ones that you're going to see on specialty coffee bags um, under the processing method. And that that's one of the more common things you will see on a bag. Um, mm-hmm. It would be more common, honestly, than the varieties uh, that you see on the bag or the elevation. Um, it's, it's one of the top ones that you'll see on a specialty coffee bag. So we're going to start with wet processing, um, which kind of sounds messy, but honestly, I would say (laughs) this is probably people who have people who drink coffee. This is probably the most common processing method that they are used to when we say specialty coffee. For sure. And probably even just the most familiar with even outside of specialty coffee, if you were drinking coffee previously, like if I bought a box or tin of coffee at the grocery store and it doesn't say any varietals or processing methods, odds are it was probably washed, processed, or wet, processed, um, as you said. 
Right. And so take us through um, the actual nuts and bolts of, of what it actually means for it to be wet processed. And this will, for the one-on-oneers out there, this will be our base as far as understanding goes. And then you'll see that all of these different processing methods will kind of feed off of this, like, origin or variant, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, a great question and great knowledge that that I love uh, giving to our new baristas, our customers, consumers. Um, essentially, the way I break it down is, is processing tells us how we have removed the fruit and parchment layer from the coffee bean itself, which mm-hmm. is that that harvested roasted product. Um, and so how we remove that fruit then has a pretty significant impact on the final cup that you would be consuming. Uh, like you said, wet processing, the most common historically, the, the largest one associated with specialty coffee because it's considered the cleanest. So wet processing or washed processing means once you have harvested that whole cherry mm-hmm. your coffee is then um, washed and uh, wet milled so it is a um, it needs machinery mm-hmm. you need natural resources in addition to to the manpower operating all of these things and you are essentially just like pop squeezing the seed out of this fruit level layer mm-hmm. and that is the the milling process so it is we are immediately stripping off all of the fruit that we can yes. and then all of these slimy little beans. If you ever eaten like a, uh, like a peach and then you have the, the pit left over, right. Mm-hmm. And it's got this little slimy layer on it. That's slick to the touch. That is essentially the stage that we are left with this coffee bean after that point. Yeah. And if we just, meal. yeah. And if we try to dry it at this point or roast it at this point, it, there's too much moisture content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, after being squeezed out of the fruit through wet processing, the coffee beans are put into uh, usually tanks, either made of tile, concrete, sometimes even plastic or steel. Mm-hmm. And at this point, there, we are adding water um, to create a more uniform environment. And this is where our coffee is fermented. So I know a lot of people don't associate a fermentation process with, with coffee processing. We don't think of it as a, a fermented product. Um, but the fact is, uh, every well, probably most of every one of these methods that we'll talk about today incorporates fermentation right. in some way, shape, or form. Some form where we are allowing or even cultivating microorganisms to eat away at um, the sugar. In this case, the sugar in between the parchment layer and the bean itself. And for wet processing, this takes place in that tank full of water. Uh, usually up to 48 hours and then flush goes all the water and we are then drying this uh, seed that is now has a separate um, hole or what we would call the parchment layer. And so just to jump in here, a couple of things. When uh, Alika is talking about that slick layer on if you're eating a peach and, and that that's kind of that feeling, uh, and it's it's like this sticky uh, little bits of we call mucilage or, or fruit basically that's left from the cherry on the parchment, and then when when it's sitting in these fermentation tanks, 
think about if you've ever left uh, apple juice or orange juice or any of that stuff out on the counter too long, and it you know it it ferments. I mean, you know, you get this wang, and you're like, whoa, you know, this is <laughs> this is definitely not what I started with. Um, and what that does. It's the um, good juice now. Yeah, it's the good juice. The uh, um, it it's it's breaking down. Uh, like Alika said, it's breaking down these these sugars and this mucilage off of the outside of the parchment. And then once you get to where uh, it's just that parchment, which is this really tough layer, almost um, that's that's on the outside of the bean, kind of protecting it. Um, if you were to rub a couple together, it's it's you get like kind of like a squeaky, um, you know, type of like that kind of thing, like with the beans. Um, it definitely mm-hmm. feels different um, than when you put it in. Yes, um, I did a little additional reading, trying to kind of more familiarize myself with uh, fermentation techniques uh, leading up to today, and one of the tests they'll do to see if. Um, the fermentation has extended long enough mm-hmm. in the wash tank. So in that tank full of water and now depulped beans is they'll put a stick yeah. in the tank. And if it can stand straight up, then, then the mucilage is, is properly, uh, separated. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's interesting. Um, you know, and another thing to think about, uh, and again, uh, so many variables that go into your cup, but the, the actual heat or the temperature of the environment, um, of course, makes a difference in the how quickly that fermentation progresses. And that then mm-hmm. ultimately is just one other factor in what it can taste like. So, like, for example, all, all else being equal, um, a coffee that is wet processed in Zambia, which is far away from the equator, is going to be different than ethiopia um if you were to hold everything else equal just because of the difference in the the ambient or the environmental temperature no absolutely there's so many factors that can go into changing our cup and not only that but yeah any subtle temperature differences length of time in the fermentation process are going to cause differences in in your final cup and that's one reason why it's so difficult to taste a cup of wash coffee and say with certainty, like where this coffee came from, like, mm. Oh, this is a wash Columbia or right. a wash Zambia, a wash Papua New Guinea, you know, any of these things, because there's so many factors, you know, this is a, we're talking about open air tanks with, you know, in, in, in their cases, liters and liters of water and, and uh, kilograms of coffee in these tanks. You know, there's a lot of factors and, um, hard to, to either replicate, uh, but also be so consistent that you could could say those things with certainty. You know, and another thing to think about is um, you don't have fermentation without, um, you know, bacteria, yeast, um, things like that. And these, just like a human is going to have, and this kind of sounds gross, but but this is <laughs> this is the truth. Uh, we have we are what we call colonized as far as a. Uh, um, we have certain bacteria that are just on us all the time and, and they just kind of, kind of, um, I guess live complementary of us. And, uh, these areas are going to have different bacteria, uh, different, uh, strands of yeast, but you could also, there are some 
uh, places that are are farms that are bringing in very specific um, bacteria and or yeast uh, to bring out different flavor profiles, um, which is kind of interesting. And that's kind of a new, I'd say a newer thing. What would you say? Oh, I think it's absolutely a newer thing for, for the coffee industry, for sure. Yeah. Um, vineyards um, and distillers for years. Like the idea that coffee professionals, um, let alone coffee producers, don't know the exact like microbe makeup or that is going into their their systems would, would astound them. Yeah. Um, you know, wineries know the exact strains of of yeasts and other bacteria that are and fungus that are going into their, um, their fermentation process. And similar with, with, um, you know, whiskey or other distillers, like they know exactly what strains and are going in because they create consistent, um, fermentation or distillation products. Yep. And I think as we continue to, uh, promote and build awareness and approachability of specialty coffee, and ultimately that leads to better tasting cups and hopefully better prices ultimately for the farmer um, and everybody in the chain, um, I think you're going to see coffee move in that direction as far as that precision or accuracy um, because it can be a very um, fine product as far as quality goes. Um and there's no reason it can't, you know, when compared to uh, beer or wine or any of that stuff, uh, because it's got a lot going on in that bean. And speaking of that, let's move on in the wet processing method to how you dry it. So we've gone through and we said we got that mucilage off, and now we just have that um, parchment, and the bean is in the parchment. Right. So the drying process, much like any of these methods, like once we harvest this fruit, we can no longer add quality to it. It's all about upholding that. And just like this, anything that has has gone through any processing method, we now need to dry this seed to make it shelf stable, exportable, and finally roastable, brewable product. And so the drying stage, there's a lot of different different methods in here you probably know um maybe even more than than i would be familiar with simply as as a roaster uh, yourself yeah um but yeah like natural raise or raised bed drying so patio drying you know just different ways how can we evenly dry this fruit product now um mechanical drying yeah and mechanical um, drying is um you know, in areas where they just flat out, it's just too humid um, as far as challenge goes. Um, you do see some areas where they do mechanical drying, and, and it does theoretically tend to lower the cup quality. Um, I don't know that I've seen, like, firm data on that. Maybe um, some one-on-oneers who are smarter than I am out there could uh, could give us some insight on that, but... Um, but yes, from my understanding, some of some mechanical dryers um, are getting their heat from from wood burning, mm. and so that would be one one aspect that could degrade the the quality of your coffee as it dries through. You know, yeah. what is essentially a, a wood fireplace. 
Yeah, because, uh, well, for I guess for a couple of reasons, um, at least what I can think of is, one, um, there's always a possibility of transferring some smoke to mm-hmm. the bean flavor itself, um, which is fine if ultimately it's going to be a dark roast, um, but not necessarily if you're going for a lighter roast. And then the other is I would anticipate that that wood fire would be hard to um, control the temperature when you're talking about fine-tuning. For sure. I can only imagine. Well, we talked about um, wash process, and you know this is what basically people expect coffee to taste like because you said earlier, and I was going to follow up on, you said a clean cup. Um, so so wash process does tend to be a little more uh, what we call acidic and um, – some would argue more complex. Um, I don't know that I'm in that boat. That I, I would say there's some others out there that are more complex, um, but that's just me. Uh, but they do have what they call a cleaner cup, and that's what they that's what is is uh, meant by that. Um, and it, it's an approachable cup. It's what you expect from coffee. Yeah, wa- wash processing you know, we're removing all of the fruit. And so any fermentation that occurs, those sugars that are being broken down into acids and alcohol are coming from either the seed itself or the remaining parchment, silver skin layers on the fruit. And so there's not as much fermentation that occurs in wet processing. And so, yeah, we get what is considered a cleaner cup. It's crisper in flavors how i like to describe it there's um it's more usually more gentle in its texture uh, not very heavy Mm -hmm. um, and transitions through these flavors uh, more distinctly they don't really blend together as much and i think that's where where people uh, perceive that as complexity because it may be easier to perceive some of these flavors because they're they're more distinctively separate from one another yeah i could see that and um Yeah, just more balance, I guess, um, in the cup itself. When we come back in just a moment, we've talked about washed process. The other most common way is natural or dry processed. What in the world does that mean? And what's the difference in those two names? We'll talk about that and more when I come back in just a second with Alika. Sometimes you get derailed by bad coffee. Maybe you have to put a lot of cream and sugar in it, and then there's that crash afterwards. We all know what it feels like. Maybe it just tastes terrible and puts you in a bad mood, and you drink less of it. Or worse, you skip coffee altogether. Life's too short to drink bad coffee, so just stop it. Look for humble coffee. We focus on getting the best sourced beans and roasting to perfection so that not only does it taste good but it gives you the best health benefits that you can get out of coffee which are actually a lot so humblecoffee.com or you can check us out in the show notes welcome back to coffee 101 i'm kenneth thomas and i am talking today with alika lifty we've been talking about wash process now we're going to talk about natural or dry processed coffee let's talk about the other one that 
is of the two big ones, uh, which is some people call natural processing or it's called dry processing. Yeah, natural or dry processing is one of my favorites. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many people in the coffee industry today because of a natural processed Ethiopian. Right. You know, we taste a coffee, the, the first one that, you know, set us down this path that tasted like blueberries and lemon. Right, exactly. You know, and the interesting thing is, so this is the oldest coffee uh, processing method. And, you know, it, it's one that basically doesn't use water. And the reason it doesn't have a wet mill or, or have water in this process is originally, like you said, in Ethiopia um, or some of these uh, original coffee growing areas, uh, they may not have as easy of an access to water. And so the coffee would be dried like in its actual cherry, like the skin itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head there. No, no water or very little water. Um, so with the, the rise in specialty coffee since probably 2012, we see natural processing take on, a larger percentage, I think, of coffee production, especially specialty coffee production, in, in part due to its more sustainable um, or at least less resource intensive um, like method. Right. <laughs> you know, it is a method that uses less resources and so it is therefore more sustainable. Right. And um, yes, yeah, like you said, also, like you said earlier, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I, Maybe you can explain to me or, or you have some insight into actually what this is, but the way that I think of and remember um, natural process as generically being what I would call a sweeter uh, cup is there's more of that fruit or that mucilage, which for our one-on-oneers out there, think about that that's the sweet part of the equivalent of the peach that you're actually eating um, or the apple. Um there's more of that almost to the way it makes sense in my head is infuse um, into that bean as it's, as it's being processed before the, the skin and the mucilage comes off. Yeah. That's a really good way to, to think about it. That is like literally what is, what is occurring in, in a wash process. We strip the fruit off. And so the seed itself starts to metabolize sugars and then the fermentation starts to eat some of those sugars. And so our sugar content at the end of that process is lower. Whereas with many of these other ones, especially with natural, we mm. leave that whole fruit on and it is in fact um, re- attempting to rebuild its structure, drawing in more sugars from the fruit itself. And so your sugar content at the end of natural processing is higher than it was when you began. Right. You know, that's a- exactly what it is that. And, you know, fermentation is all about fuel and you have so because you're leaving the fruit intact you have so much more sugar content. And so it's breaking down more of those sugars to produce acids and alcohol mm-hmm. acids with remaining sh- with more sugar is what we perceive as fruit. You know, you just add more sugar and more acid, you have more fruit flavor. Right. And so, um, if anybody out there has not had a natural or a dry processed coffee, it's super easy to just get online, um, you know, and find, find several um, roasters nowadays that, that have that. 
Um, I know Onyx um, almost always has some natural uh, in their rotation um, that you could order. And um, I actually, just as a little side note, I had a friend of mine brought me uh, some natural processed beans that were from Columbia from a roaster in Auburn, Alabama that he wanted me to try. Um, tasting notes were a like a candy liqueur and uh, cherry, and they were spot on. They were really good. And uh, so I'm driving into work this morning, and I got about, I think, maybe four sips in. Um, was super excited about it, and I spilled the entire, oh, no. entire cup of hot coffee, like, on myself, you know, and had to just basically sit in it until <laughs> I got to How work. long is your commute? <laughs> uh, it's about 30 minutes, and uh, so... Oh, no. So I... You know, I was I was probably more uh, gracious, but still irritated by the time I got to where I was. But um, but uh, man, I don't know if I was more upset that I got. I think I was more upset that I got uh, like just terrorized all drenched. my clothes. Yeah, drenched. Um, but I was also upset that I didn't get to drink that natural because you know yeah. you just giving me that one little sample. But I do get three. But your four car probably in. still smells like it. <laughs> it does, and you know. I still smell like, uh, and you know, usually I smell like coffee, but like, like I overly smell like coffee and he, and I've changed clothes, but anyway, I digress. So the, uh, um, I, I think we, we both, we both digress. Um, I don't think I really talked about what is different between dry processing and natural or, and, uh, wet processing, which it is, I think pretty significant. You know, we have that that milling stage in wet processing and then the fermentation in a tank and right. then finally drying. Whereas dry processing goes immediately into that drying phase. Right. These whole cherries are just placed on those same things, either patios, uh, mechanical, usually mechanical is saved till later in the process, but it's just put out to dry where it ferments naturally, you know, just out on the ground or on the raised beds. Right. Yeah. So yeah, raised beds or large, uh, we call them brick patios. Um, you could just anybody out there, one of oneers, you could probably Google, um, coffee drying on brick patios or something like that. And you'll see what we're talking about when we, when we say brick patios, um, it's a little different than what you think about technically in the U S and the reason, and, and when they're drying, um, they're constantly moving them. Uh, because they're trying to prevent mold and rot. Um, and then when they get to the right moisture content, they are then sending them to the dry mill for that skin or that husk uh, and whatever's left of the pulp or the mucilage to be removed. That dry mill technically would be um, similar concepts, um, when we're talking about wet processed and that parchment is removed. Yes. Yep. All, all coffee is dry milled. Not every coffee is wet milled. That's correct. Yep. And, um, just as a little, uh, a, a little note on dry processing, uh, because I think it's important historically, this has been the way that cheap 
commodity-grade coffee was processed, and initially it got a bad rap, and so they changed the name to natural. Um, But Alika and I will tell you that um, it is not a lesser quality. Uh, We would even say that we prefer, or I would say that I prefer a natural uh, most of the time over a washed uh, process. I, I would say that. I think that just shows that we're part of maybe the, the newer trend in specialty coffee. You know, historically, you know, some of the largest um, coffee roasters at the start of the third wave would not even carry a natural process coffee. Yeah. You never would have seen this, you know, until recently at Intelligentsia right. or, um, you know, Blue Bottle or Stumptown. And that's not, yeah. I think it's important to to recognize the difference in in natural processing today, it's not just we change the name, um, but like you mentioned, the constant turning over of the beans, improving the quality, preventing um, musty mold um, during the thing. Because if you don't almost constantly care for a natural processing coffee or naturally drying coffee, um, it gets like if you have a pile of leaves that you left in your yard yeah, and then you start to like rake it and, very quickly once you get through that top layer it's just all wet and yeah. mush and yeah. that is what will happen with your your coffee if it's not constantly cared for and so yeah natural processing used to be it used to taste boozy but not sweet yeah um it would be musty it would be moldy um you know over fermentation you know we eat all those sugars there's not, nothing left for the cup all we have is alcohol and acid which doesn't sound good yes and um you're trying to get that moisture content basically down to, you know, say, we'll say 10 to 12%, uh, give or take. And, and that's part of the reason is for the prevention after that point in storage of it getting mold. Um, but from where you start to, to that point, uh, water weight percentage wise, um, you definitely are at risk uh, for rot or mold um, just because it's an agricultural product. Um, Mm -hmm. One last thing I wanted to say about dry processed, and, well, I'll say it, and then I'll say my thoughts, is uh, there's some data behind the idea that the slower it's dried, the longer it'll retain some of those good quality flavors when it's stored as green coffee. So another way to say that hmm. is um, it's it would be more shelf-stable. And this is something where um, over time with through cupping um, or checking water activity, um, moisture content, things like that, Alika and I and others, um, we would hopefully be able to, um, I guess, confirm this but i thought that was interesting um read that and had some data uh that went behind it so i thought we'll that just is throw, interesting we'll just throw that, it out that would make it like not only more sustainable as a processing method but also as we believe the potential to increase the the flavor profile right and then ultimately it sounds like this could also be a more viable option for for roasters because it has a longer shelf life you can either buy more of it and roast it over a longer period of time or you know purchase it and not have to you know 
go through it, sell all of it quite as quickly. Right. Especially for, um, you know, smaller roasters where, you know, one jute bag or we'll say 156 pounds of um, green coffee, you know, might last them quite a while. Alika being the educator with Onyx Coffee Lab, I thought, of course, that he would be a good person to bring on, and obviously he was, and he knows a lot about processing. And we'll even bring him back next week. We're going to talk about uh, some more interesting um, ways to process coffee, and these were the two most common, but there are four other main ways. Um, So... For all you one-on-oneers out there, you'll need to make sure that you listen as well next week when we talk about all these other crazy ways like honey processed or gilling basa. You're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> so yeah, we we eased you into it with the the two easy ones. Now yeah. we now we get into the fun ones next week. Yeah. So now you know when you look on a bag and it says washed or it says natural or dry processed what you can expect from the cup. So we thank Alika, and y'all go check out uh, what they're doing at Onyx Coffee Lab as well as uh, Humble Coffee. Um, Onyx does a fantastic job uh, when it comes to education and roasting and just all kinds of stuff. That's it for Stefan and I today. We thank everybody for listening and You can pick one of two tasks. I would love for y'all to leave us a review, and I would love for you to share Coffee 101 with a friend. If you've enjoyed the coffee education and knowledge that you've gotten here on Coffee 101, just share it with people. There's at least 65% of the people out there in the world who love coffee and drink at least one cup every day. So, They need Coffee 101. So please share it with them. Uh, Leave us a review. Other than that, we will see y'all next time. Love you, Coffee 101ers. Coffee 101.